0: Hello and welcome to another Open Aperture Photography Podcast. Simon Byrne is a photographer and creative director. In his day job, he specialises in helping build brands through compelling storytelling and inspiring images. He has a wealth of business and photography experience, having worked in numerous countries for a variety of businesses, entrepreneurs and brands for over 25 years. He also has a good following on his YouTube channel, and his photography gains recognition for his well-thought-out compositions, and I'm pleased to say he's on the line from his studio. Simon, thanks for joining me on the podcast.
1: Well, thanks for asking me along, Mike. I appreciate that. Just, you'll have to excuse the voice today, though, because I'm a little bit uh, bunged up from having the flu. (laughs)
0: Oh, no, okay. Well, thank you very much for taking the time anyway to come on, even though you're not feeling particularly great, but uh, what well, I'd like to start uh, with: How did you develop your interest in photography?
1: Well, I suppose I got interested in photography because my dad had two Pentax SLRs when I was very young, and one year he let me use one on our annual holiday. So that was my first experience of travel photography and it was it was fun so when I was a teenager I I was a bit of a geek and photography became a hobby and I went to college to study it along with communication design and at that point I bought my first camera which I still have a Nikon EL2 and um, it just it just developed from there really yeah I've always from a very young age always had a camera and been always been recording things
0: yeah, I think a lot of us do have very similar memories. You know, mine using small format film cameras, maybe on holiday in North Wales or something, and then going to Boots at the end of it and, and getting it developed. And that started the interest for me. Um, but in terms of your business then, um, what were the challenges then you faced when you first started out in your business? And how did you overcome them?
1: Challenges when I first started? That's a good question. I think the challenge is always how to get clients and make money. So early on, I realized I needed to understand business first and foremost, because it was businesses that were going to hire me. When I was young, I I remember being inspired by Richard Branson. And I loved his rebellious, give it a try attitude. And I read a lot of his books and figured out that The reason a business needs any kind of creative services like photography is because they have a marketing problem to address. It's all about them and the problems they need to fix and whether you're the right person to help them fix them or not. So I figured out when I started to talk to potential clients about their business and what their marketing objectives were they needed to achieve, it transformed things. Basically, I became more of a strategic consultant over the years. I, I asked why they want to hire me, why they need photography. And by understanding their needs and offering some advice, um, I was able to bring a huge amount of value to the table. The thing is with clients is they don't always know what they want in the first place. And if you can help them figure that out rather than just show up and show them your portfolio and talk about yourself and what you've achieved, that can be a game changer. It's got to be all about them and how you can help them. So that's my USP is taking more of an entrepreneurial business consultant slash creative director position and offering something that most other creative people can't. I think bottom line is it's not just about a good picture. It's about an effective solution to a problem.
0: Okay, yeah, that's, that's fair, yeah. So it, well, in your opinion then, what does make a good picture?
1: I think that answer can vary depending on the end use of the picture you're creating. Is the image a fine art print being put on a wall or is it going to appear on a poster? Actually, no, the answer is the same. The image needs to grab my attention and make me feel something, evoke a mood. Creating an emotional connection I think is key. Uh, For example, a misty woodland could create a feeling of unease. A dark, stormy vista with warm light cutting through the darkness in the distance could create a a feeling of promise or hope. Uh, You know, and at the other end, a very touristy, sunny day type image of people hiking or drinking in a brewery could give me a feeling of happiness and anticipation that I want to experience that. Uh, That image makes me want to be there. Um, So, yeah, I think a good image makes you feel something which... It really is the core of good storytelling and communication.
0: Yeah, that's a great answer. I mean, that kind of ties in with uh, another podcast I did, which is on the emotional connection between music and photography and how a photograph can equally create an emotion similar to music and can take you to uh, a place that you've, uh, you've kind of been to in the past in your mind. And um, so let's move on then to YouTube. Um, you, you've got a YouTube channel. So uh, where are you up to and how many subscribers are you on now? Oh, I think I'm around
1: 1,500 subs right now
0: that's really good and you know it grows all the time each video you put out and you know becomes very organic and people know about you and maybe will recommend you in in other places Um, so for, the, for people who don't know what the channel is about uh, could you explain
1: <laughs> I'm not sure I figured that out yet well it was intended to be about my personal outings with my camera so mostly outdoor landscape photography and and a bit of filmmaking because I love filmmaking I wanted to show some of the places i visited to inspire others and also discuss the theory behind photography why we take an image a certain way because i believe that's the most important way we can improve as photographers i'm really interested in that discussion
0: so what was it that made you want to capture your photography trips on youtube then
1: at first having seen a few other landscape photographers channels i I thought it would be a great challenge to myself just to give it a go I, i like the idea of recording some personal photography trips as a creative endeavor that i could do for myself with no pressure i'm always doing stuff for other people so yeah i just thought it'd be nice to do something for myself and just be creative Yeah, I do like
0: the way you uh, do your videos, you know, very, very, you say creative, you use that in your your own titles. And uh, cinematically, they're they're really, really nice. So uh, do you plan them in advance then? Uh, You know, if you do, is, is there a workflow that you follow?
1: No. No, I don't. And that's a huge problem because I'm not good at turning up and just chatting. I I think it shows. The The few videos where I thought about what I should talk about ahead of time and actually discuss a specific topic are actually the ones that have had the most views and been the most successful. I'd like to plan my videos, but the challenge is lack of time. So, yeah, I think into, in 2020, I'm looking to do less spontaneous vlogs, maybe none, and putting my eff- more of an effort into thought out content that provides more value for viewers. I really like the idea of making short films and documentary style videos. So, yeah, we'll see where that goes.
0: So looking back when you started it, did you think it was going to lead you in a particular direction?
1: It was never my intention for the channel to lead anywhere, really. When I started watching YouTube, before I started my channel, s- I saw lots of photography out there already. It was It was already getting saturated. And on Facebook groups, people were discussing subscriber counts and getting upset that they didn't have as many subs or views as other guys. And I just didn't want to get drawn drawn down that rabbit hole so I went in with zero expectations my my only expectation was and still is to become a better filmmaker really uh, and just use my hobby of landscape photography to achieve that and if I can help people along the way with a bit of inspiration and some advice then that's great but it's kind of really about me (laughs) just being a better yeah about me becoming better totally (laughs) self-centered
0: yeah fair enough I mean well at least you're honest that's a that's a very good answer um did you think maybe you could get some more private work from this um or just just completely just a a showcase for your own trips and, and a love of photography
1: no it was it was never my intention to get any work from the channel or or monetize it in any direct way I, i don't need another revenue stream my client work keeps me very busy i don't have color presets prints calendars or workshops to sell because photographers have never been my audience as far as my income is concerned as it turned out very early on i was indirectly monetizing the channel in that i was doing things with my videos that led to client work um, video work so that was kind of cool one great thing that's come from having this channel is being part of a landscape vlogging community I've made a lot of friends and actually it was Chris Sale who had said he hadn't made so many new friends in such a short amount of time since university and it's actually the same for me. There's just a bunch of great guys out there and many of whom I've actually met in person and they've become friends and that is priceless and that kept my momentum going really in the first year. Quick fact, Chris Sale was my first ever subscriber, how about that?
0: (laughs) Yeah I heard that about Chris um on one of your vlogs and um, yeah interviewing Chris myself uh, I think the quotes that you mentioned there about the the making friends was from the interview I did with him as a another shameless plug for my podcast there but uh, yeah so um
1: you know, I, I really use my channel as a place to just try new ideas with editing and animation and stuff. Uh, it's really a place just to mess about and play, really. But I'm, I am going to try and get a bit a little bit more serious this year and um, put some, a series of, of, of episodes together that, that are sort of educational and very helpful to people and just see how that's received.
0: So the photographs then that you take for your business, are they different from the ones you take for your own personal shots?
1: Absolutely yes, landscape photography, is my hobby i do it for me for fun Uh, other kinds of photography i do for a living i shoot for brands and dmos that's not to say if someone wants to hire me i won't shoot landscapes for some cold hard cash (laughs) i needed to keep landscape photography a hobby because then there's no pressure to bring back good images like there is when you're doing a client shoot um part of the reason i do this is just to be out in the fresh air and recharge the old creative batteries and get some exercise with no strings attached yeah no pressure so definitely separate definitely it's all about the hobby.
0: So regarding taking pictures for work a lot of people would love to become a professional photographer but uh, the reality is uh, that there are challenges so what are the challenges and how do you deal with them?
1: Well, the biggest challenge for anyone in the creative industry today is oversaturation of people wanting to be creative content creators. Uh, Photographers, filmmakers, designers, everybody wants to be one. You know, when I started my career, I was lucky in that there weren't that many people doing photography and branding and marketing. It wasn't cool then, so getting clients was a lot easier. The challenge I come up against is persuading a potential client to use my services over someone else's. And that someone else is often cheaper, usually a lot cheaper. So I focus on the value I provide them. In fact, I shouldn't have to persuade. If I have to persuade a client too much, then they're not my client. So this goes back to what I I said earlier. You need to be a problem solver and bring ideas to the table, not just create pretty images. Uh, And luckily for me, most creative types really suck at business and selling themselves because at the end of the day, to be a, a successful photographer in whatever genre, you need to be able to sell yourself first and foremost. I've come across some brilliantly talented photographers over the years absolutely top-rate guys they can't get clients because they can't sell themselves I've also come across guys who are pretty mediocre and they're doing incredibly well hugely successful in their business because they're really good at selling themselves and putting themselves out there and they've got great personalities and yeah that's what it's all about it's all about business and the photography is almost sort of second to that all right then, so let's move it along
0: and let's talk influences. Who has influenced you the most in photography, if anyone? Um, is there anyone that you would consider a kind of photography idol?
1: There isn't one photographer that I would say is a, a major influence. I'm influenced by many photographers. The only problem is I don't know their names because I don't go out of my way to look at what other photographers are doing Um, i'm very interested in the images that are being created out there for example if i'm going to a new location to do some landscape photography i'll google that location look at all the images and see dozens of superbly shot images and they they certainly inspire me but beyond that well i have no idea who those photographers are you know i'm just looking at a whole bunch of images and and um yeah. It's not a very good answer that is it.
0: <laughs> no that's okay. Um but was there one person in particular 25 years ago when you started out that made you want to get into photography?
1: No. <laughs> Finally, a short answer.
0: Oh, fair enough. Um I suppose there had to be one at some point. Um so if I could maybe tempt you back to a slightly longer answer then and um talk about your camera gear. Um your can you talk us through your standard daily camera gear for what you have for work and what are the differences between your personal photography gear and your your work photography and and is there a reason why you have a difference
1: Up until recently I was shooting on a, a Nikon D750 with a D700 as a backup and actually purchased the z6 specifically for dedicated video work because i'm doing more video work now than photography but now but now i've had the z6 for about a year i love it so much it's so easy to use for both video and photography uh the others are collecting dust so i'm considering a second mirrorless body as a backup now so i'm actually using the z6 for both work and play i think the only piece of hobby gear I would rarely use for pro work anymore is my GoPro. Everything else is good for both. To be completely honest, a Z6 with a 50mm prime is all I need for most hobby and work requirements most of the time. Uh, I'm a prime lens fan, I rarely use my zoom lenses anymore. A fast prime for me is essential, I, I know I'm going to get an excellent image, a, 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 you know, quality sharp image. A fast lens allows me to work handheld in low light and that's really important for a lot of client work that I do on location, especially for travel and tourism projects. As far as my landscape photography goes, I only take a 24 and a 50 millimeter prime out with me these days, that's all I need. I'm considering an 85 millimeter as well, Um, but that would be about it. I'll often take a 70 to 300 zoom for video, but, yeah, I don't really have much interest in gear and all of these lenses and uh, carrying all that weight around. I really don't see the point. I think having, having less makes you work harder, think harder and, and be more creative. So a final couple of questions then, Simon.
0: Where do you see yourself in five years' time?
1: Ah, Hopefully more time on a beach, in a forest <laughs> yeah, okay. or up a mountain. Yeah, <laughs> and less time in the studio.
0: Well, this has been an amazing insight so far, Simon. Thank you very much. And uh, just before we finish and wind up and wrap up, um, is there one bit of advice you could give any, any young aspiring photographers who are listening to this, uh, who are starting out in photography today? Is, is there
1: one thing you would say, this is definitely what you should be doing? Um, well, I really spend as much time shooting as you can trying all sorts of crazy things and experimenting and not worrying what others might think. The more time spent shooting equals more experience and more things learnt and you get to the point where you can look at a really impressive image somewhere and reverse engineer how it was created and why it was shot the way it was shot yeah that all comes down just to putting in the time there are no those shortcuts the idea of buying color presets or whatever you know that's all nonsense you've got to figure it out for yourself and just believe in in believe in yourself the the problem is so many people listen to somebody else's advice even if that advice comes from a really good photographer and you end up with a bunch of clones all doing the same thing shooting images in the same way that's fine if that's what that's what you want to do for a hobby but if you want to take it beyond the hobby you can't just be a clone of what's already being produced out there you've you've got to figure out your own unique path and style and so yeah that's um Another waffling answer. <laughs> w- waffling is
0: fine. We all waffle far too much, and I'm guilty of that as well. So, the final question then I think I'd like, like to ask all of my interviewees uh, who, who ever come along on, onto this podcast as part of maybe a legacy of, of their photography that, um, is there one picture that you would want to be remembered for that you've taken in the past?
1: No, no, no. I can't think of one image in particular. Uh, I'd rather be remembered for the one film I made, though, uh, that I personally was proud to make. Um, Films move people more than single images, and, and I want to move people, make them feel something through my storytelling. The only snag is I haven't made that film yet. So watch this space
0: okay that's good I I like that that's promising there's um, your your films so far have been awesome really good I enjoy them so if you've still not made that one yet and uh, in terms of people where they want to watch the space uh, do you want to give us your social media links
1: my Instagram is simonburncreative and I have a website coming soon so if you follow me on Instagram that site link will be added when it's live
0: okay Fantastic, Simon Byrne. Thank you very, very much for coming on the Open Aperture Photography Podcast,
1: Mike. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me on, and hope I wasn't waffling too much.
0: <laughs> no, you've been a brilliant guest, Simon. Thank you very much for coming on again. And if you, as a listener, would like to make a podcast or be involved in one, and it's photography related, then visit OpenAperturePodcast.co.uk to find out some more information. It's free of charge, there's no subscription and I'm going to try and keep the whole thing advert free. So if you would like to make a podcast and be involved on the channel then go along to the website and you'll get some more information. Thanks very much for listening and I'll see you on the next one.